Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Securing Bridges podcast. You're about to join Alyssa Miller as she sits down with senior and executive security leaders to share stories of success and failure while working across business teams. It's time to build and secure the bridge to the business. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Hello once again, Securing Bridges fans. Listen, Miller, we're back here for yet another episode of hopefully one of your favorite shows. It's my favorite show, but I'm kind of biased. After all, I kind of host the thing. So here we are, ITSP Magazine. We are doing that Securing Bridges show once again where we talk about how we connect cybersecurity to the rest of the business. Build those bridges, secure those bridges, make sure that we're doing that thing to educate our users and our businesses that depend on us every day. We have had some amazing guests. I, 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 I have been super blessed to have such a wonderful opportunity and this week is no different. So I hope you've got your questions ready. Remember, throw them in the chat on whatever platform it is that you're watching us on. We'll see them and we'll try to get to those questions or if you got a comment throw it up and you know we'll, we'll try to get as many of those on screen as we can as well but live show that's what this is all about it's all about interactivity so be here with us and send us your comments send us your questions and we'll do our best to address them but this week i've got yet another amazing guest i'm super stoked for this conversation um really cool i think we're going to delve into some things in terms of security startup world and maybe maybe some other topics around the, the academic space too we'll see where it goes but i this week have with me kevin jackson kevin how are you i'm doing great how are you Alyssa? it's so great to be on the show oh i am so fired up to have you here thanks for coming on um so for those of our audience that don't know you um, could you go ahead and you know just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you come from, what you're up to? Absolutely. So I'm coming to you live from the suburbs of Cincinnati. I'm an Ohio resident, uh, Midwest guy, and uh, you know our my my story is one that is probably pretty familiar to a lot of people who watch this show. Um, I come from a background. Uh, I'm an engineer by trade. You know, had a degree in engineering out of college in the dark old days, 30 plus years ago. Um, and you know, spent a lot of my time in and out of engineering for moving into IT, being an IT generalist, being then a compliance and cybersecurity specialist for around three quarters of my career. And then what really led me to where I am now and the reason I'm, I'm so lucky to be on your show is um, I started a virtual CISO, a fractional CISO practice about four years ago now um, and began working as a, a fractional support CISO, you know, advisory services provider um, for lots of companies actually all over the country, not just here locally in the Midwest. Um, but when I started that, I had an idea in the back of my head to also begin to solve a larger problem that I saw in the, uh, the fractional virtual and the real chief information security officer space, the CISO space, about how we create cyber strategies or maybe more to the point, how we don't create cyber strategies. And so just this year, we've launched the startup company uh, beyond, in, in addition to um, my little consulting company, to uh, try to wrangle that problem, to try to create what might be the first solution to a way to create cyber strategies in a measurable, in a ROI-focused way. So that's a little about me. That's kind of how I got here. 
So our regular listeners, if you paid attention, now you understand why I'm super thrilled to have Kevin on here because they've all heard me talk about this, the, the need for security leaders to understand strategy and be able to communicate it effectively and you know, move beyond, and we touch on this a lot, like you know, let's get beyond the talk of, well, you know, we're going to reduce risk or whatever else. I mean, those are important factors, but they don't really speak to a strategy and they don't really resonate, I don't think, with with business leaders. So, you know, I, I'd love to dig into that that story a little bit more of kind of how, how you got here. You know, I mean, so you, you, you're kind of out there, you see a problem, but I mean, was there, was there like a, something, you know, last week we had Jessica Robinson on and she told us an amazing origin story about, you know, what really prompted her to start her company. Yeah, I had two founders on two weeks in a row. That's like really cool too. Um, but, uh, you know, I would, I'd love to understand a little bit more, like what, what kind of triggered it? What, what got to the point and said, you know what, that is the thing I got to do. Or was there, was it a buildup of events or one specific thing? How did, how'd you get to that point? It was definitely a buildup uh, because I have a second part of my kind of technical background aside from cybersecurity and compliance, and that's data analytics. So I've been a part-time professor of data analytics for Villanova University for about the past five years. And that's not a coincidence. Uh, I've done a lot of BI work in the past uh, as a DOD contractor, supported some large-scale data analytics and business intelligence program implementations as an enterprise architect, weave that in with cybersecurity and compliance. But I've always been a data guy. So at the last full-time CISO job that I had, it really what came to a head, some of the events that led to this were not only thinking about, you know, data is used a lot when it comes to tactical tools in cybersecurity. It's used a lot in, in threat hunting and antivirus and endpoint protection and, and SIM all over the place. You see a lot of uses of data. But here I was as a CISO struggling to find answers for strategy level questions and direction and decision support, really. And it hit me all at once around the time I was leaving and becoming my own, uh, becoming my own boss in the fractional CISO space. What if I could marry my background in data analytics with my desire to finally have real cyber strategy support and find a way to use data to support cyber strategy? And that's really where I got started. And one of the main events was we were going through the typical process as a CISO of needing to design an approach for one aspect of our cybersecurity. Um, it was often perimeter defense was often up for grabs because we'd never done a lot. We decided to improve our perimeter defenses and IDS, IPS. We were shopping for vendors. Um, then we were going to improve our cyber training. We were shopping for vendors and tools and designing policy and procedure approaches. And always it came down to when it's time to implement, I realized that what we were doing was basically taking either what I knew already, had experience with, and what maybe the standards kind of you know said was a good approach at the high level, but they're not prescriptive. And what I really wanted to know was, isn't it interesting that I have no way of knowing what, say, all the other 5,000 companies like the one I was working for, what they've done in the past, what's actually worked best? What if I could do an analytic model? What if we could correlate the data for a bunch of other companies that have done MDR, IDS, IPS perimeter detection and and, uh, perimeter protection and who have done cyber training and have done IR and DR and business continuity in a secure way and all the other things, what if we could gather the data on what actually worked best and use that as a starting point for my cyber strategy? That was when it came together. And probably in other words, after the 10th time that I kind of made up a solution based on what I knew, the conferences I had last went to, you know, Black Hat 2017, great conference. Last time I was at Black Hat, I'll be there next week. 
um, that it's great, but it wasn't based on real world results at a large scale. You can get some siloed information on what works and what's good results, but it hit me, why does no one have the ability to go to a tool and see like for the entire massive number of cyber programs that are running in the world right now, why is there no way to see what approaches in all these different cyber domains actually produce the best results, which have been working best? Because that's going to change over time as threats change, as tech changes. <laughs> but the data would also then change that shows what works best and obviously what fails as well. That was what really got me started on working on, uh, on our new company, Level 6 Cybersecurity. That's our foundation. This is wild, okay? And I, I hope people out there listening right now appreciate this because, you know, thinking about it as a CISO myself, like, you know, every time you look at how you build cybersecurity strategies, like you said, I go out, you know, maybe you look at some best practices or some standards, you try to figure out what is my maturity in relation to that. And then you, know, you can grab things like NIST or something like that. And you're going to, you know, and, and NIST 800 at 53 is like the opposite, right? It's like super super, super prescriptive. In fact, that's my biggest complaint with it. And, um, you know, you, you can go and you can chase down all those controls or, you know, but it, it doesn't really, where we seem to always struggle is, all right, well, I know my maturity is this. Let's say that I'm correct about that because even that can be a, a tough read to gain. Absolutely. But what do I do about it? Where do I want to get to? What does it make sense to get to? And what I'm hearing from you is like, hey, let's take our top risks, the things that we know matter the most to my business. And now let's look at how others have addressed that and be able to make a decision based on what actual performance occurred. Is that what I'm hearing? That is absolutely the essence of it. But then we added on one more factor. And this was the thing that I was really excited to, to talk here about because we're talking about that bridge towards the business. And that is adding in ROI adding in the cost, adding in the investment aspects versus the return on given strategies. And, you know, I've always heard the saying, and I'm sure you've heard it a thousand times that people say, you know, the language of the C-suite and the board of directors is risk. The board talks risk. The language of the C-suite is risk. And I actually have a different opinion on that. Me and that too. is the, the language of the board and the language of the C-suite is money. Yes. Their language is money. They don't really care about risk unless it affects cash. The language exactly. of the decision makers above where we sit as CISOs and as the, you know, and that whole management level is money. So what we're doing in our tools that we're, divide, that, we're that we're creating, we're connecting all of the cyber strategy approaches with the cost and the ROI so that we can actually see based on real world data, based on a lot of real world data, what the actual ROI is for detailed strategy approaches of different types and cross analyze different cybersecurity strategies that are in place in various domains, and then give that CISO a tool that he can take to the board or take to his CEO or CFO and say, here's why we need to do this. It's not just because it's a good idea or because it's a, the newest acronym or cool term that's in the cyber world. It's because the ROI using real world data is this. And that's why it's worth it to spend this or sometimes it may be, here's why we're going to not spend on this because the ROI isn't there and we have data to back it up. So that's where we're really heading. We want to look at the ROI so that we can show the whole community for a given set of cyber strategies based on data, you can maximize the value of every dollar that gets invested in cyber. That's kind of one of our taglines. We're like, you can do this. We have the data. And if we start collecting it, 
on mass, we're going to be able to, to, to get those answers to show the decision makers where the real value is. So first of all, to everybody out there, what you just witnessed was me wanting to jump through the internet and hug this man for the things he just said. Um, so pardon my exuberance, but holy crap, yes, this is, this is the thing that I have been just, if there was one message I could get, I, that I could get through to the entire world of cybersecurity, that's it. That No, risk management is not our job. It is a component of our job. We overlap with risk management, but risk is so much bigger than we are. And cybersecurity is so much bigger than risk. And one of the things I, I bring up there is, you know, this idea of, you know, the business, being in business is risky, right? Like, I mean, just by, you know, you, you, you created a startup, you spent a lot of money, you went out there, there's a risk in that. Oh, you yeah. accepted that risk because there was a potential return. And so if my job, if I, if I shrink that down to and limit it to only, you know, my only job is managing or reducing that risk. Well, they've all by in, inherently by being in business, they've already accepted that risk. So that's right. not really a resonating factor. Right. So, you know, I, I love the concept of how do we connect to the business and show actual business value? So I'm curious now, you're talking about ROI. What is the return piece? We understand the investment, right? We understand there's varying levels of cost that we're going to put into this in terms of people hours, tools, other yep. things. Yep. How are you measuring the returns that come from that? Right. And that's where we get into sort of that typical, uh, you know, we're looking at the equations for calculating cyber ROI in a predictive way based on annual rate of occurrence, based on the, the, the nature of most incidents when they occur, and based on, of course, real data for in a given industry, in a given size, you know, that sector where an organization sits, what the data suggests are the costs when you do have actual breaches, serious incidents, minor incidents, um, scams, you know, BEC, wire fraud losses, lawsuit losses, all of those pieces are all the costs that are going to be incurred if you do not, if you're not able to avoid a given security incident or a given negative outcome. So we're always just looking at these outcomes and what the costs are of the outcomes and looking at the investment costs for all the defenses and the prep and the training and the personnel, all of the aspects for the investment side to calculate ROI. Uh, and so we've got two sides of that in a way where we have to, in some cases, be able to leverage uh, averages and models for costs in some in some areas and that has to do with the nature of how we're collecting data but as we collect more and more data from actual running organizations that are going to be able to anonymously share with us their real world cost data and their real world outcomes that they've had in the past for various investments just looking over time at what's actually happened in their organizations we're going to have an increasingly more accurate set of models to show the real ROI or lack thereof from different cybersecurity strategies. Uh, and that's really kind of the core of our, of our whole approach. The tool we're building uh, is based on a patent that I filed last year. It's a patented way to parameterize all of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different decisions that I learned over the years and that my friends who are CISOs learned that we have to make. So domain by domain, it's all the high level strategy decisions that go into Well, that's unfortunate. 
Um, so here we are. This was a great conversation so far. Now we, we've lost Kevin for the moment. Let's see if we can't get him back. wonder if we just... Well, um, so we'll try to get Kevin back here as quickly as we can. But um, in the meantime, uh, let, let's roll with this conversation a little bit. Um, you know, I, I'm... Can you hear now me? Now we got Kevin back. Am there I back? You're back now. Good. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that was, but... <laughs> but you're moving again. You're not just frozen. You had your eyes up in the air. I, I'm, I'm glad we got that back. But so we'll roll with this. Um, so, you know, I, what you were talking about in terms of, you know, being able to visualize this, um, you know, just visualize what the actual potential costs are of some of these things is incredible. Um, what I'm curious about is one of the issues I've kind of run into, and I'm curious if you've seen the same is, Sometimes that can be a hard thing to convince non-security executives of, right? Yeah. Uh, how do I convince them that this ethereal thing that may never happen is a thing that could happen if we don't do this? Yeah. And how do I demonstrate that the thing I did prevented us from having that expense from a breach or whatever versus we just didn't get breached because we were lucky or we weren't a target in the first place or whatever. Right. Um, so I'm kind of curious now, is, uh, you know, looking at your, your business model, how, how are you coaching security leaders in, in trying to bring this to their organization and, and have those conversations? Yeah. And that is a great question that it, it is really hard talking about anything that avoids cost avoidance, right? Loss avoidance. That is a tricky space because of all the assumptions that are being made. And in some ways there's no way to get around that, but, this is an area that I, I'm really interested in focusing on from our perspective, because as opposed to it just being um, kind of the, the general nature of a cost avoidance approach, we really want to kind of flip that script and teach our users and go to, you know, the actual, uh, you know, the, the decision makers in these organizations and say, this isn't just that standard cost avoidance approach. We are basing this on all the real world data we're collecting on cybersecurity breaches. And not just in a general sense, but in an industry and in an industry sector and for a given size, amassing that data so that we can have a high level of confidence, you know, really get that confidence interval narrow for what we're talking about and what the likelihoods are and what the impacts might be and what the costs are. Um, we, we have a phrase that we use here that refers to the whole world as the worldwide lab, as opposed to the worldwide web. We see all these operating cybersecurity programs and there's 700,000 large businesses in the world. So that's 700,000 big business cyber programs and every single one of them, even if they don't say they have one, they have a set of cyber strategies. They have a cyber program. If you've got a domain name and an email address, you're doing something behind the scenes to protect your company from having your email breached and from having incidents happen. So we have all of this potential data and that's our goal, to harvest all that data so that we can really change the, the approach and let everyone know it's no longer just pure estimate. We have the calculations on mass. We have millions of data points that we're gonna be able to harness and say, this is what we see. These are the likelihoods. This is why you can rely on and have some confidence in this, in this data. And here's what you can do moving forward. So this is cool because um, I was glad that you mentioned um, you know, the the size and industry, because one of the things we run into a lot in this space, and it's always a challenge, is you'll get those questions from, say, your board. You'll get the questions from maybe even the CEO. Well, what are our competitors doing? How are our competitors performing? 
And so, I, you know, I, I think what you've just shared is yet another tool to arm a CISO with those numbers. Are those, is that the right focus though, do you feel? Is that like, is that where you want your executives thinking? Do you want them looking at what competitors are doing or is there a different focus you'd rather see? You know, I, I really think the focus needs to be at the at the uh, security decision maker level. The focus really needs to be on really optimizing, on actual optimization, and then above that level, I think it needs to be on the ROI. You know, it's the those that are going to be the approvers and the reviewers and the and the ones that honestly have the biggest uh, you know at the board level fiduciary duty to make sure that they're protecting their assets, protecting their data, protecting their customers those folks need to be able to see and have evidence from data that shows that the dollars they're spending, the people that they've spent money on, the training they're doing, all the things actually are going to deliver on the promise. And again, nothing's foolproof, but we are gonna be able to provide them with data that shows them that here's, here's what actually has occurred up almost to the present, here's what we're seeing, and here's therefore why these decisions make sense. And then at the CISO level, you know, or at a smaller company at the IT manager who has to be the CISO's level. Um, you know, I want that focus for them to be able to be on optimization, actually seeing instead of just in any narrow silo and instead of having to just rely on a, a vendor or a single presentation, being able to see what really might be the optimal set of choices to make across all of these, you know, millions of possible dimensions of decisions they have to make. So it kind of depends on your level, but I think in either case, I would love the future where the, the, the view has changed, where the decision makers are focusing on what actually can be seen to work best and then always chasing after what works best next because it's going to keep changing. And we always talk about chase what works. The idea of having the decision makers start with what works and then follow it and chase what works next. When the next big problem occurs, the new next big wave of threats and then new outcomes are generated, some strategies are going to defend and protect against those better than others. So you move that direction, you pivot, and you constantly chase an evolving threat and cybersecurity evil picture with a constantly evolving set of defenses and you know affirmative uh, attack, if need be, on your side. So you're always chasing what actually works. The idea of creating an upward spiral in cybersecurity instead of a static approach and instead of a often a downward spiral when things go south. But chasing what works, create an upward spiral at that decision maker level. That's the future that we kind of want to see in cyber. And that's, I, I think this is something, this is where I feel like we as CISOs have the opportunity to change the narrative a little bit, right? Um, a lot of board members that at least that I've worked with, even CEOs that I've talked to or worked with kind of have, there, there's always still this sort of, well, when are we secure enough? Right. That that idea that there's some end state. Yeah. And, you know, I always refer to it as, well, no, cybersecurity is, you know, it, it's a mode of continuous improvement. We're always trying to improve. We are yes. always working to grow and get better because the minute we become complacent, that's when we're going to be in trouble. And, you know, sometimes I've, I've gone so far as to say, you know, I had a board member once who asked me, like, well, when do you feel like we've reached the point where we've invested enough in this? And I said, when technology stops evolving and right. we stop having new technology. I mean, you know, if we're going to sit stagnant in, in our technology, 
fine, then I can sit stagnant in security. But as long as you want to keep innovating and growing your business, I need to keep innovating and growing my cybersecurity program. And I think it would be great if we had, you know, getting anything that allows a CISO to be able to drive that narrative. And I think the data that you're talking about leveraging that ROI concept is a great one. Um, I, I think all of that plays into that. The other thing, and I'm, I'm curious for your thoughts is I'm always on the lookout for how do I demonstrate that what I'm doing is actually the flip side of that. So instead of the technology evolving and forcing me to innovate, how can I, you know, evolve my cybersecurity program to better allow or better foster innovation on the business side. Absolutely. That talking about that partnership, right? Absolutely. Being able to have it, the, the idea that there's an adversarial relationship that is, you know, sadly so often the case between security is the preventer um, of, of, of uh, operations of business and which is, which is terrible, you know. It, we no one wants to be seen in that light here in the cybersecurity world. Um, but having that, improving that integration, that's everybody's challenge. Um, and that's so one of the things that uh, we talk about a lot, also. And this is one one of our real areas of excitement as we develop this whole this tool uh, set is the idea of being able to again leverage that same global data pool to do predictive analyses, actually to do simulations of the impacts of different security strategies. Because if you have that same set of data that I talked about to look at the current state of your organization versus uh, what the statistics and correlations look like for you know, a thousand other companies like yours, you can just as easily then create uh, an interface that where you can say, well, if I were to change this part of my strategy this much, say it's cyber training, I wanna take my cyber training cadence and start training monthly instead of once a year. Or maybe it's going to be, you know, twice a month or and I want to deliver it this way instead in person live instead of using uh, online canned uh, movies and and tests. Or I'm going to introduce this change to the training policy where people actually get in trouble if they don't do their training, whatever it might be. You could actually interrogate the data to see what the outcomes would be from that data pool, because there's going to be a lot of other companies that have made those decisions that are already harvested, that are already a part of the global data pool. So you could simulate the results, the outcomes, even simulate the ROI of how you could change your strategy. And I think that might be a tool then where a CISO could work with the business and say, here's what we're thinking of doing, but and we're simulating it in advance. And similarly, you could go to the business and say, this is what we're considering. How would this affect you? And by the way, here's if we do it, what we see from our from you know from the data, what the impacts would be on our ROI. Maybe we'd get this much lower rate of occurrence of breaches. Maybe would save so much on our insurance, whatever it might be, as inputs to the business saying, we're not just doing this randomly. We're doing this because the data says we're going to get these more improved outcomes. Take a look at this business. How would this impact you? And if you're, you know, if you say, no, no, it would be too much, too much, even with your gain in ROI, we're not interested. Well, at least they've gotten to see why the CISO wants to move in that direction and see it's a data-based approach. Well, and I think this builds, like you said, I mean, it actually addresses that relationship. So while even if they don't, you know, even if they're not willing to adopt, you know, a, a strategy that you brought before them, just the fact that you've shown that, hey, as a CISO, I'm thinking about your business. You know, um, you know I, I'm sitting here right now, very new in a role as, as CISO for my organization. And, you know, the very first, you know, I'm, I'm in that, that first mode, the first 30 days, right, of, 
getting to know everybody and, and creating all those, those, those intro meetings and, and hosting that. And it's, you know, it, it's amazing to me how just being able to, you know, we get in these, these conversations and we're not talking cybersecurity. I'm talking about their business. I, I want to understand their business. And when you see, you know, a business leader, whether it's, you know, it's a, you know, say division president or director of something or divisional CTO. And when their eyes light up because they get an opportunity to talk about what they do and, you know, someone in the security space is taking that interest, that's meaningful. And that, that gets us a, a very different level of collaboration than for the future, because when we can show that we're not doing this just because, this is going to be that security thing that makes us more secure, so to speak. And accidental CISO tossed that comment up here a few moments ago about, you know, the boards that ask, well, how secure are we? Well, that, that's not the question, right? right? It's not the question we want to answer because it, there is no answer to that question. I and mean, it's not the question they should be asking. Right. Um, you know, the, the question that we, I want to have my board asking is, how is our business growing and how is the security program helping that to occur? And Absolutely. that's yeah. where we want to be. And that is, I wish that there was a way to make a tool that could teach CISOs that, <laughs> that to, to know how important the business is. And I, I, I'm so, you know, again, in my consulting hat on and our little consulting business is still up and running. We've got a bunch of clients. Um, we always make a point of learning the business first. We don't go in and do a gap assessment or a compliance support you know, project or an implementation project without learning the business, without spending real time figuring out what they do, why they do it, what their culture is. It's all culture. And mm -hmm. you can say that till you're blue in the face, but so often I'll come across the IT manager or the CISO whose perspective is, this is my kingdom, this is my thing, here's the awesome tools, here's our great capabilities, and they don't really even know what's going on in the business. And I just, I just shudder because they don't, they may not, they'll be the last to find out sometimes, oh, wait, we just made an acquisition. We're buying another company. I've got to integrate their IT or <laughs> you know, wait, yeah. the department bought all this shadow IT we didn't know about. And now we've got to figure out how to secure it. I mean, it's, it's, it's scary. Um, and sadly, I don't know if there's a tool that can make that get taught to all of the, the inner, especially when it's people who are, again, their IT managers, their directors of IT and their CISOs, you know, in the upper mid-market, which I see a lot of mid-market and upper mid-market clients as a fractional CISO. Uh, and it is, I mean, that is, it's tough sledding because they're under pressure. And often the solution to them is we just got to deliver. We've got to do security. Heck with everything. We're going to make this so secure that when we get breached. It's not going to be my fault. I'm not going to get fired. And don't really have that integration or that tight or a friendly even relationship with the business, which is terrifying. Yeah, and I think so. This is this is going to be a wildly unpopular comment I'm about to make, but this <laughs> is why I actually like the idea of cybersecurity being part of IT. Now, before you start things at your monitors, people, let me explain. <laughs> no, cybersecurity is not just IT. It is not just technology. It is bigger. I absolutely agree with that. But the thing of it is. We have to look at cybersecurity as a supplier to the business, not an oversight function of the business. Mm. In my opinion, that is a big differentiator. If we're, in, if we're part of risk management, we become that oversight function, right? Like risk management, as much as maybe they're a provider to the business, ultimately at the end of the day, they're like the traffic cops, you know? 
and the same because you know, they they own audit and all that stuff, right? I mean, they're they're doing all those pieces, compliance, everything else. They're 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 playing cops, and right. that that's their role. Like that's the value they bring. They keep the business out of trouble, so they are a provider in that sense. But I think, you know, as, as a colleague just put it to me today, no provider ever existed for the sake of existing. A provider exists to offer service to the business. To the business, right, so right. If the business isn't asking for that service, you have to do one of two things. You have to either educate them on why or you got to look elsewhere, right? I mean, right. those are the only two options you have. And so our job is so much more about that education of the business and helping them see how we can help them grow and how we're going to make sure that they don't get sidetracked because they got breached. Yep. And so that's where I think, you know, not saying we absolutely need security reporting to a CIO. There's obviously issues with that potentially too. There's the potential for conflict of interest. Don't get me wrong. But I, I think that view of cybersecurity, whether you, you got the CISO reporting to the CEO or however that looks, I don't care. But that attitude is what we really need. Yeah, it's so, not like you're agreeing with me on that. So. Well, here's what's interesting. For almost my whole career, I was very firmly on the side of, oh my gosh, get cyber out of IT. They need to be their own department. They need to be their own vertical reporting up to, I don't care if it's a CFO or the CEO, but not under IT for the reasons you just named. And I preached that for many years. Here's the thing I think now, and in a way I'm almost punting, but I'm really not. <laughs> now what I think is, so within our model, of collected data of what really out, was out there in the world. We have, as part of the parameters we're collecting, how is the cyber team oriented? Is it under the CEO, under the CFO? Is it under the CIO? Is it part of IT? Is it outsourced entirely? That's just another data point to me now. And now I can't wait to see as we collect all of the global data about this, which orientation gives the best outcomes. So now I've just sat back and said, you know what? I don't necessarily know the right answer anymore. I can't wait to find out. And as we gather more and more data, we're going to be able, everything always correlates one way or another. Even if it's a tiny bit, there will be a correlation with that choice, like all the others, and with combinations of all these choices that yields the best performing cyber program. So now I can say, you know what? I'm actually not sure, but I'm going to find out because we're collecting all this data and we're gonna see, and it may change. What may be true now, two years from now, it may have changed because of the way tech, people, culture in a given industry may have changed. And the, the data may say, gosh, you know, right now, if you're in this industry, maybe you wanna do it this way because companies that are working this way structurally, they're seeing this much better performance and this much less cost, et cetera, et cetera. So now I'm kind of looking at all the questions and I'm saying, let's see what the data is gonna say about this and start there and then go from there as a starting point. So can I throw another data point at you that would be really fascinating to Absolutely. related to that? I don't remember, oh gosh, I, I really feel bad that I can't remember the author's name now, but I was, I saw someone speaking a couple a month or two ago at an ISSA meeting in Chicago. And he, I can't remember the name. I can't remember his name or the name of his book. And I'm like feeling embarrassed, but um, one of the things, one of the data points he had from a study, I don't know if it was his or somebody else's, was that you know only like 6% of CISOs have a title of SVP or higher, right? I mean, we all, you know, CISO usually they're directors, sometimes they're, you know, VP, SVP, whatever, yep. but only 6% 
at a title SVP or higher, look at the rest of your C-suite and that's not the case. Yep. Right. And so I would love to see that part of it too, because honestly, this is the thing that I believe in is I think that your position that way in the organization and how you're treated, are you really treated as a true executive or do they treat you like a second class executive? Those are the things I think that will end up proving to be more directly correlated to the success of your cybersecurity program. Absolutely. And that's one of the things we're so excited about too, because we very intentionally, and again, this comes from being in the VCSO world, a lot of the parameters we're tracking are human factors parameters. It's culture, it's people, it's organization and org structure, it's level of responsibility. We don't know, but my hypothesis is we're going to see bigger impacts from some of those decisions, like you just said, than just from, you know, what are the, what's the nature of the tool set used for this defense or that defense, even though those are important as well, the human factors and the structures, the programmatics, I think are going to matter, matter hugely as well. Yeah. And that's, and it's just saying, we have to look at it holistically, right? And there's that word holistically, which I know makes some people cringe, but that's the reality of it. Um, You you can't look at your cybersecurity program in just tools or just processes or just the people, right? We have to combine all those. So we also have to think about, you know, people is more than just who's on, you know, what skill sets do I have on my team? It's how is my team arranged? How are they built? And I think there's a lot, I can see, tons of potential as we start to really analyze the data of this. I think where we've always struggled in the past is being able to get access to that data. Yes. And so I'm, I'm, I'm really actually fascinated by the idea that someone may actually be able to pull a lot of that data together from organizations that have typically held that pretty, you know, close vested. And um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how far you take that. Is that, are these all things that you kind of see on the horizon? Absolutely. Or? Yeah. And in, there's, there's no question about it. Our, our biggest challenge as an organization has been first getting this, the word out there of what we're trying to do and then beginning to gather organizational buy-in. Um, you know, we, we, we offer the kind of the, uh, the, the defense of saying we gather our data anonymously. We, we are tokenizing all of our member organizations information they share into our global data pool. So, cause we just want the data and organization and the, the structural information, the identity of the organization doesn't matter to the analytics. Right. So, you know, we're keeping them anonymous, but allowing them access to the results uh, in a self-service business intelligence tool kind of way. So that, that CISO can go in and self-serve interrogate our data or simulate results using the data of different cyber strategies in a way that is you know, secure for them because they're anonymous. So that's been our, our, our big focus has been on beginning to gather all this data. We have all, over 30 organizations now that have become early adopters here to help us as we work roll through development this year. We're not actually going to be live with our beta product till the end of the year, but we've already got early adopters signed up to help us through that development process. Um, and one last thing I want to mention, I know we're almost out of time and I'm like, shoot, we're almost out of time. Um, you mentioned that study. That's another big component of what we're doing is academia. We've, I've always been frustrated, again, because I've been a professor on and off Villanova and for that University of Cincinnati at the lack of usage of all of the academic research out there in the cybersecurity. So we're also using academic, fully accredited academic research within our global data pool as weighting factors, as case study uh, dynamics to add in to adjust and weight our results because it's just not being used unless it's a vendor 
who happens to want to use a given study to promote their tool or to help build their tool. So we're also using the academia and I'm super excited about that. I love that. Um, so the last question I'm going to ask then, and you know, is as we talk about your member organizations, do they need to be a customer of yours in order to feed data to you? Or are you looking at ways for organizations to share that data, even if they're not purchasing a product from you? Yeah, we're, we're absolutely open to having organizations share with us. And of course, the trick is if you're not, if you do share with us, you probably want to get some of the benefit of the output as well. Um, which would require being a customer, but you know, and, and of course the other, the flip side of that, in here in the beginning, we are harvesting all the OSINT out there. We're using open source cyber breach information, cyber strategy knowledge that's published about organizations. We've been gathering that for the past four months. We have tens of thousands of data points already gathered just from OSINT about cyber breaches and strategy. Um, and now organizations are coming into the air as well, helping to, to round out the data. Well, very cool. Well, as you noted, yeah, we are coming up. We're actually one of the longer episodes, but no, this has been absolutely terrific. I mean, I, I say this every week and I mean it every week. I feel like we could just go on for, for hours here, but uh, you know, we do have to wrap things up. So Kevin, I just want to say thank you again so much. This has been really cool. Uh, just understanding um you know, kind of the, this whole idea and, and that, you know, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm glad we got to learn about level six. I'm just, but on top of that, I'm, I'm glad we got to talk about what I think are really, really, really important concepts yes. for CISOs. Even if you're not using a tool like this, just understanding. And so yes. thank you for bringing that to the show today. Oh, thank you so much. What an opportunity. Thank you so much. And Catherine Marie is asking us when part two is. Uh, might have to might have to look at getting you back. Maybe maybe a few months down the road as things start to take shape or something. I, I could definitely see that because I would love to hear more about where this is kind of going. Um, I would love it. But anytime, uh, you say yeah, the word. <laughs> definitely appreciate it. Uh, this has been absolutely a blast. Um, appreciate all of you tuning in. You know, it, it's another great show. Um, just to give you all a heads up, next week we are going to take the week off. I'm going to be out at Hacker Summer Camp with everyone else, well, not everyone, but a lot of other folks. So uh, we'll actually be rescheduling the guests that I had scheduled for next week, um, just the, the way things work out. But uh, again, appreciate you all tuning in. You know this will be converted to, to audio podcast in a few days. Check it out on your usual suspects, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Spotify, etc., etc., and uh, you know what? We'll see you on down the road here on Security Bridges. Take care. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Securing Bridges podcast with Alyssa Miller. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.